0: your path to Avengers Endgame I am your host Mark Turcott, and this episode we are talking about Guardians of the Galaxy volume 2 and joining me to do so as always Mr. Paris Lily. Paris what's up man?
1: Mary Poppins y'all. <laughs> <laughs> I love Yondu in this movie.
0: My daughter is literally right now this weekend as we're recording this she is in a uh, presentation at school of Mary Poppins so like just nice. watching that I was like Mary Poppins, there it is. I'm Mary Poppins, y'all. I love it. I love it. And of course, joining us on this
2: episode,
0: as always, as well, Swain. Swain, what's up, dude?
2: Hello, man. Uh, we are Chuck. We're we're almost done. We're almost there. A few few more weeks. Guardians two already here. We feel like I just did Guardians one. Yeah. Well, you know what makes it feel like we're
0: almost there even more, Swain, is as of the day we are recording this, we are all owners of pre-sell or sale tickets to Avengers Endgame. That's right. Today, the tickets went on sale. So if you're tuning into this and you don't have your tickets yet, it could be either one, the website was down as you were trying to do that, <laughs> which just, what was it? Was it AMC that just completely crashed? Oh, yeah. AMC crashed, yeah. Yeah. Man, it seemed like it was down for a long time. Or what are you doing? You're dragging your feet. Go get your tickets because it. This, it's been bananas what for you guys what were your experiences trying to get your tickets i know paris you've had somewhat of an adventure trying to figure out <laughs> where you were going to go see the movie and what time right tell everybody how that went down for you
1: well i knew they were going on because i'm on the west coast i knew tickets were going to sale at 5 a.m i normally get up around that time anyway so it wasn't a big deal to be up all right let's get my tickets and And I wanted to go to an AMC theater because it's a smaller theater in my area and they have the assigned seating with the recliner seats and they serve beer and the whole thing. So I'm like, that's where I want to go. It'll be great. And like you said, AMC crash. Okay. All right. So, so about 10 minutes in, I can't get on AMC. I'm like, all right, I'll go to Fandango. I go to Fandango, can't get in. And then when I do get in, I'm in a waiting queue and the first theater I try to go to is the AMC because you can get it through there. It shows everything sold out. So I'm like, oh, wait, crap. So then I'm like, let me go to option B, which is another theater that has, you know, the whole reclining seats and all that stuff sold out. (laughs) Oh, my God. No. So I'm like, let me try the big theater in my area. They have the IMAX and the whole thing. I didn't want to go there because I know it was just it was freaking chaos for Infinity War, even though once we're in the theater, everything was fine. So I was like, fine, I'll try that. Sure enough, 6 p.m. showing IMAX. They still had a ton of seats. So that's where I wind up getting seats, nice. and it, it took me about thirty minutes. And I'm telling you, about fifteen minutes in, I started panicking, going, "Am I not, not going to see this at opening night? What's going on?"
2: <laughs> that is nice. crazy. Like, yeah. think to think that you might not be able to see something opening night because the tickets sold out. It's a uh, very weird for for a movie a for movie. A movie right? Like, 20? I feel like I can yeah. always go see a movie, yeah. like, no matter yeah. what.
1: I've never had that problem the, before. So the which only
2: time to I've seen something of this nature was when the newest, uh, when The Force Awakens came out. Yep. And there was like, there was people like uh, in the parking lots, they were doing, like they were cooking out in the, the parking lots beforehand. <laughs> and it was like, <laughs> yeah. oh, this is cool. But like, this is crazier than that. Like, yeah. This this is the number
0: one or what, the I, fastest selling pre-sale I movie ever. I had to ever. settle for 3D tickets,
2: guys. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I don't mind 3D, but like to me, it's just, I'd much rather see IMAX 2D. Like, I something about having something on your face
1: yeah, feels yeah, a little yeah, weird. Yeah, I agree. I I'm I'm with you. Yeah, I wound up getting 2D IMAX, which well, that's how I saw Infinity War. So. I mean, it'll be a great experience.
0: Yeah, I'm actually going on Friday morning at ten AM. We're gonna be up in New York. I'm going with a buddy up there. And I, literally, I was just at work today. You guys were sending the, all these messages and I'm like, oh man, like I better message him. Like, you better buy these tickets. <laughs> he went on, like it was not it was just completely out of my hands. He just like went on, he bought him, he texted me, he said, Man, we're good. I got them for Friday morning at ten. I was like, sweet. So I had no stress in getting these tickets, but <laughs> I'm not gonna see it opening night. I am gonna see it Friday morning. So um you know don't be sending me any of your spoilers or anything because I'm, compl- yeah. I'm just shutting my phone off completely until we walk out of that movie theater i don't want to see anything
1: but and confirmed a- confirmed three hours and two minutes 182 minute runtime that is now confirmed wow. i'm gonna be leaving
0: and they at even like put out 1 a.m <laughs> teaser trailer too guys with even some more stuff so, we'll, well, you know, let's save some of that. We'll talk about that I think at the end here. But let's focus on what we're here to do with this episode, and that's talk about Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Obviously, this is the second movie in the Guardians franchise, uh, again directed and written by James Gunn. This came out on May 5th, 2017. And overall just thoughts I think on the movie. What do you guys? Did you enjoy this one better
2: or more than the first one? This or- one for me was definitely better thinking about Endgame. Like with everything that was happening, and thinking about like how everyone plays a part in this to get to Endgame, and like what happens leading up to it, um, it felt a little bit better for sure. Like this is probably maybe my third or fourth viewing of this particular movie, mm-hmm. and it's definitely not up there. But the rewatch was better with like all of with everything in mind. I'll tell you, I'd I say that in general. Like, I was uh, going to say for uh, me, all I these think, have been kind of been better.
0: Yeah, I, I think the ending of this one for me is one of the best endings out of all of the MCU. Like in turn, in when I say that, I mean more just like the emotional impact. Like the sure. whole just Yondu they, death. They make the, you
2: feel for a raccoon.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, just the way <laughs> everything comes full circle in this one. And like I said, for Yondu, I mean, that, that just whole... Everything about his death, and like just everything that is said, and all those moments. I mean, even his character when him and him and Rocket have that interaction when he keeps saying like I know you, boy. Like you were you know raised in a lab, and he's going on and on and on. Then he's like, Well, I know you. Rocket keeps saying you don't know me, and he's like, I do because you're me. And then like it's at that moment that that character turns, and you can't help but root for him. For at least for me, I couldn't till the end of the movie. And then just the way that they send him off, I I just I absolutely loved. The ending, And I think it was really seeing it, like re-watching it this time, that I really appreciated just how great this ending is compared to all the other movies. I love it. It's great.
1: Yeah, I, I, I would say, and, and Swain kind of put it perfectly, if you watch it in the sense of watching it with the filter of Endgame in mind and everything that happened in Infinity War, I really enjoyed, especially the second half of the movie, because it's about family. Mm-hmm. They're not friends. They're a family. And... Just, just to kind of cut to the chase on that, when, when, um, oh my God, why am I blanking on his name? Um, uh, ego, sorry. When Ego <laughs> is basically showing Peter, like he he basically gets to see everything, and Peter has the flash of just moments with with mm-hmm. the Guardians, and yep. you specifically see the moment with him and Rocket just flying around on backpacks and just having fun, and yep. just it's like. They're not friends. They're literally brothers, and and I think that was the whole point of of what Volume Two was about was saying the importance of family. It's like, look, you 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 can pick your friends, but you can't pick your family. Kind of thing. That's kind of how adage goes. And yeah, they argue and they fight and they do this and they do that. But at the end of the day they're always gonna have each other's backs and are always gonna do whatever it takes to look out for each other, even obviously with Gamora and Nebula, you know that relationship as well. But, and like you said, you put that filter of Endgame on it. You put the filter on what Thanos did. Snap, took out all the Guardians, except Rocket and Nebula. And then you go back and watch this movie and you think about baby Groot, and it's like, oh, you get kind of choked (laughs) up, like, man, you know? They're a family, it's like, when rocket finds out that all the guardians are gone in Endgame, game, you're going to feel it because you, you, you've been through it with, with these characters yeah. now. And that, and that's what's so good about it at the end. And again, like I said, at the top, Yondu is fantastic. Everything you said about yeah. Yondu, he was absolutely great.
0: Yeah. I mean, to, yeah. to have Michael Rooker be a character that you, I mean, I love Michael Rooker and every, every role that he's really ever played, but he's always just, you know, a guy that is always there for you to kind of despise or whatever, but it, and even in the first Guardians, he, he really is that. But in this, they're able to take it that character and just really make you feel. And then, yeah, like you're saying, Paris, I mean, the, the, the family angle of this movie, especially where you see where we left off in the first movie. I mean, the first movie was kind of this ragtag group that comes together. And sure, we get a feel that they're a team by the end of that movie. But then this movie really cements the fact that it, they're not just a team, they're a family. And we know time has passed too, right? Because right. they flash to those mm-hmm. scenes. They flash to even, what, him and Drax kind of having fun. They even flash to Yondu and Star-Lord when he's a child, teaching him, mm-hmm. you know, is he shooting the arrow? Or is he, I forget what he's doing. But it's just, it's great, the way that they captured it. It's, I love it.
1: And that was kind of, again, going back to Yondu, that was the whole point of Yondu, like that flashback scene, when you find out the backstory of actually Yondu is a good guy, because look at what he did. Yeah. He, he was protecting Peter. He Like he said, I'm your pappy. You know, he I'm your dad. You you know what I mean? Because he was doing what a father would do to protect his child. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? From what he knew that ego was ultimately really looking to do with him. So, again, when you find out all these things about these characters and and you really look at it from the family aspect, it's it's, it's freaking great. Is it top 10 MCU movie? No. I mean, it it has a lot of flaws in it. But I think the core message of what James Gunn was trying to display really shined at the end.
2: The one thing I just can't overlook is the like no one ever after this addressing the giant blob everywhere. (laughs) I was thinking the same thing. Like, Not even in the, in like further things is like, is uh, a general Ross just like, Oh, like this weird, like it never comes up ever again that like this blob just appeared on earth, destroyed a dairy queen and everything around it. And like probably killed a bunch of people on all of these planets, and no one's like, hmm, maybe they're all kind of linked a little bit.
1: Now, in the timeline of the MCU, this actually is is almost a prequel of sorts, because doesn't it happen... It, ha- does it, ha- it happens before Civil War. It's not happening or er- er at that time. I think it's I, hard to forgetting. place yeah, like I was the, the cosmic say that, stuff.
0: Yeah, is there anything in this that really places us in the MCU? And honestly, I would almost say, like you say, that things are happening on other planets, like... As far as we know, the Earthlings really don't know what's going on in the cosmic universe. I mean, I would argue that. But but still happening on Earth. Maybe so many things are happening on Earth where all these people with powers and abilities are, are spawning that it just... Almost is the norm now. You know, it's like, hey, something huh. happened and we don't know what fixed it, but something did and it went away. So, eh, oh well, moving on. Shove it, shove it under the rug. <laughs> yeah, just one of those, another occurrence on Earth. Like, what if? I'm sure some hero had a part in it. Um, but, I mean, let's talk about ego a little bit. I mean, we always talk about the movies um, having issues with the villains. Uh, what do you think of him being the villain in this? And, and, and then even, not even just him being the villain, but even kind of just playing into the backstory, I think, of Star-Lord.
1: For me, it's it, it's of like two halves, right? Because to me, Kurt Russell has always been a rock star. I, I freaking love Kurt Russell, always have, everything he's in. And when he's getting to be Kurt Russell ego in it, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I love him. But when he kind of gets at the end cackling villain who no longer has a form – Eh, I I didn't like that so much. Like tor- towards the end of ego, when you know his plan has obviously been exposed. You know, we find out he's evil, that whole thing. That didn't work so much for me. But when we kind of had the charming and suave ego the living planet, like like honestly, that opening scene with with him and Peter's mom on Earth was great. I mean, because you could totally understand why she fell in love with this star man, yep. right? And and wanted to, you know, and you you got the impression that Ego did really love his mom, but his overriding sense of purpose, you know, is why he wind up killing her and doing what he had to do. So so I think first half Ego's great. I think towards the end, cackling villain Ego, not so much.
0: What is it? <laughs> is it Drax that keeps calling him the little guy? Like, yeah. Or oh, <laughs> maybe it's the little guy. Oh, man. That, that That's what I think one of my favorite parts of this movie is, is like they really just brought even more like the comedy like what what do they call uh Rocket is the Trash Panda <laughs> that's what they call it. started calling him that and then at one point yeah. you know Rocket's talking about he's like "Oh he's just a douchebag or something like that." Yeah. Like this movie really took kind of just the uh, I don't know what what do you want to call it? the the potty mouth of these guys or whatever just brought it even even further which I just thought was great. Um, it's, and it's like it, it's it fits.
2: They're all kind of like pirate space pirates yeah. and a, a little bit of rough, rough around the edges for everyone. Everyone's yeah. got issues, so yeah, it's. Awesome. Um, I, I I definitely agree. Uh, Paris on ego, like he is nowhere near my favorite like villain in the MCU, but reversal played him very well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's hard to, yeah. it's hard to be like, yeah, that's like, he, he didn't do a good job. It's like more so like, I just didn't like the character in general and how it fit into this story. Like I loved everything that went around it. And especially the ravager stuff, the ravager stuff was fun. Uh, and, and interesting and seeing, uh, rocket and Nebula kind of off on their little side quest thing and finding like rocket finding out like oh i'm i'm just as bad as Yondu here like yeah. that was a great little yeah. side path to what we ended up at the end so and the beginning like the very beginning is great oh, like so good. the the opening sequence with uh, the music playing with the music playing and Groot dancing around chasing <laughs> things like a little little kid and th- even after that when they're like leaving the planet and they're getting attacked. Like that was a fun sequence. Mm-hmm. But you,
1: and, and, and just the, the key on what you were just saying about the opening sequence with baby Groot and, you know, he's dancing around and everything with the music was great, but it also, again, the whole family element, they all felt very protective of baby Groot. Like, oh, like yeah. you even have the one shot where he kind of gets in the way and Gamora is just like, kind of looks over smiling. <laughs> like, he Hey, waves. watch out now. And then <laughs> even waves. like you said, in the chase, when they leave, And, you know, Quill's making sure that you know Baby Groot is buckled in, and you know I think you even have a scene where Batista is like holding him like a little baby. You, end, you know what I mean? Tired. Yeah. He's tired. He's falling asleep. Yeah, yeah, asleep yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. I call him Batista. Drags. Yeah. I mean, but uh, <laughs> but 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 again, that's the whole thing about the the this group. It, it went beyond the friendships, and it's everything that comes with a family—the good, the bad, and the ugly, and everything in between. And and Baby Groot, I felt like really symbolized all of that because they felt. The responsibility to make sure that he was taken care of at all times.
0: Yeah, well, so let's keep talking about villains. Let's talk about the real villain of this movie, and that's Taserface. Taser face. <laughs> 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 I love that. Like, just so, yeah. everybody thinks it's you know just funny. I mean, Rocket when he's all tied up and he's pointing out like, "Your name is Taserface." Taser yeah, it's, you wake up in the morning and look at yourself in the mirror and say, "I'm Taserface." <laughs> uh, Although Taserface
2: had like that whole. First sequence where they're pushing people out the airlock—that is brutal. Like that is that is some dark MCU stuff. Especially
0: when you see the pan out and you just see bodies going for what seems miles of just how many people they've killed. It's it's pretty yeah, pretty messed up. Um, what was there? Was something else I want to mention? I don't think it was with him. I mean, let's talk about what
1: the sovereign.
0: Yeah, I mean, let's talk about the sovereign because that that's definitely a uh, you know interesting uh group here what do you think of them just kind of being a part of it i mean we don't know where that's going to go at the obviously at the end and we're going to talk about it we kind of see that them are or that she's potentially making or what's her name aisha is that her name oh yeah oh yeah yeah. that we're going to have Adam warlock possibly right but what do you think of the sovereign i don't really know much about them from the books so i don't know where they kind of fit into all of this but um do you guys have any knowledge of anything no, I'm, I'm the same. I I I only knew
1: about them from the from the movie.
2: Okay. Yeah, no, I I that's one of those things I just like didn't really spend so much time in watching this movie repeatedly and caring about the little yeah. side things, so like I never looked it up.
0: <laughs> but I mean, they are kind of like that third faction almost kind of in this movie, yeah. right? They just keep showing up. I mean, they're there right in the beginning. Obviously, that's kind of what sets off all the events here with Rocket keeping the batteries and not not uh, giving them just because he wanted to keep them. Right. That was his whole thing. He said he wanted to just steal them. Um, and then we see them basically playing like a video game, but flying these ships. Yes. Do you think are we going <laughs> to see them show up again in. Oh, 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 in volume
1: three hundred percent. No, but I'm talking I mean... even in endgame
0: like because mm-hmm. half of them mm-hmm. could be gone from the snap. And yeah, they that's may true. be pissed. And so we may have these sovereign ships show up to join the battle with the Skrulls and with everybody throwing
2: everything they have at
0: Thanos. Maybe. I don't know. Uh,
2: I I could, could see them. Yeah. I could see them changing because of changing their ways because of the snap. And kind of like it being affected like, "Oh, wow, like it, this cuz they they just kind of felt snotty and yeah and you know i'm kind of the worst um which kind of makes me fear for adam warlock's character if he ends up being very much like them but there's yeah there's always potential for more more there and especially in that you like the guardians world like yeah that could be hilarious the way that would play off of them so
0: yeah I mean, it seems like it's really Aisha is the worst. Yeah. And then she just kind yeah. of bleeds off well, and this, everybody else... The other
2: else. ones were kind of like... <laughs> snotty and and the worst too
0: yeah but just when you see that scene of her walking right when she's kind of going over to to yondu and them and she's walking on the little carpet like and she's walking all close she stops they gotta kind of move the carpet a little bit for her it's like come on
1: <laughs> well see she i i have to admit i i i'm quite smitten with aisha i i loved her <laughs> in this movie because i mean I, they, they set up the sovereign like yeah they're like a third faction quasi villain but really they were there to be a form of comic relief in a lot of ways um and to give just obviously give them another antagonist but uh yeah i i love i love the actress that played aisha i thought thought she was great but i love the flirt scene she has early you know with peter quill at the beginning and then Gamora obviously g- gets hip to it and you know peter tries to backtrack on it and that whole thing so yeah i you know I, I fully expect them to be in volume three and yeah i could see a scenario in endgame where you know maybe i don't know rocket Thor, whoever is going out in the cosmic, basically trying to recruit an army to fight Thanos. And yeah, if you if I'm Rocket, I would most likely go, go to Aisha and yeah. be like, "Hey, come help us."
0: Yeah, I think one of my favorite characters in rewatching this is definitely his uh, name Craglin. Sean Gunn's yes, character. Yes, oh man. Yes, he is, and I love the scene when Nebula's, you know, she's all serious and she's going on how all how, you know, Gamora has yeah, wronged yeah. her and Thanos and she's going to murder him and he's just sitting there and then he's just like I I forget, what what is the whole he, point he of the says, conversation?
2: He says like I uh, thought oh she, her cut of the the money what would she do with it? And he's like, <laughs> oh, I thought you get a nice get yourself a nice necklace or something." Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> See, it's it's little moments like that to where where it goes back to volume one for me, because I felt like volume one was such a a gem, you know, comedically. Yeah. Uh this one, you know, it had some really highs, like scenes like that, but then it had some some other scenes that didn't land as well, which I think obviously took the movie down a little bit, but stuff like that was a classic. Obviously, the the scene where um you have baby there's Rocket and Yondu sending baby groot out to try and go get um Yondu's uh headpiece or whatever yeah. and he keeps coming back with the wrong thing over and over oh that was great too
0: I mean and speaking of just funny group moments I mean you got to talk about the end when he's gonna you know pushing the button and Rocket's like oh. gonna, what are you gonna do I am Groot <laughs> yeah I am Groot yeah. and he goes to push the wrong button yeah, Not wrong button. yeah. Oh, I love that scene <laughs> I think that was even one of the original trailers wasn't it because yeah, I remember seeing yeah. that like going to see some other movie and they showed that and I almost wish they didn't because that's like such a great payoff scene uh when you see that uh, but let's talk a little bit about, because kind of to go back to, I think, Ego and just him being a celestial, which then makes yep. Star-Lord a celestial. And I almost forgot until, of course, re-watching it, just how powerful that potentially can make Star-Lord. Because he, I mean, you see him at the end of this movie, he's able to basically break the chains that Ego has on him. and if And we see him literally conjure up energy in his hands into an energy ball. You know, I don't know how necessarily how that would play into Endgame, being that he is dusted. But, you know, potentially if we can get the whole team and everybody back together back to reality, I mean, he could be potentially pretty powerful, I think, right?
1: Well, remember, they did explain in Volume 2 that as long as Ego was alive, he would have that power. Ah, he so now that Ego is that. dead, he's he, he no longer has that power, which again goes back to Volume 1, why, why he was able to hold, to hold the, the Power Stone. Stone. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Gotcha. ah, uh, See, I missed that that bit. So, okay. Well, then maybe not. Maybe my whole theory there is gone. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but Swain, you want to talk a little bit about, I think, even Guardians 3. I mean, I don't want to move away from this unless there's anything else you guys really want to talk about with this movie. But just in terms of uh, James Gunn, I think in just kind of that whole situation, he's back, right, for, for volume three. Yeah, we know yeah. that's a, a thing. For sure, but what do you got, Paris? I could see. Your- oh, I was just
1: gonna say, if we're before we move into that, remember we we got Sylvester Stallone and Michelle right. Yeoh, basically the original oh, Guardian team. Right. Yes. You know, so so we got that to potentially not that they're gonna get their own movie or anything, but hey, we could see adventures from them down the road as well. So that was a nice little shout at, at the very end with, with yep. the Yon with the Yandu funeral.
2: Yep, Disney Plus has a
0: lot of.
1: There you go. Actually, you know what? what even Mantis, hit.
0: we didn't we didn't talk about Mantis at all either. Oh, it's kind of the introduction of her. I mean, she's the new character, really here, the yeah. new member of the team. She's the
2: new guardian. Yeah, yep. yeah. I, I mean, like, there's there's a lot of little things in this movie that get added and noted, and I feel like this. So I'm sure James Gunn has a plan for all three. Like, well, I'll kind of put it all together here. Um, he probably has a plan for all 3 where he's bridging from Guardians 1 to what will potentially be their final like of the trilogy. And I'm sure the trilo- like the end of the trilogy will probably have some really great ending like capstone storylines that fit there. But this middle one introduces so many characters, kind of, you know, throws everything out there, gets the story set for it. So like introduction of Mantis, Yandu passing uh you get some of the other ravagers kind of introduced and they like say oh yeah let's get let's get the you know band back together start robbing again um casual passes at like adam warlock and the sovereign and it's like there's so much just started in this movie but never finished outside yeah. of like Yandu. so um i think volume three which is a ways out because James Gunn's got a direct suicide squad between, uh, well, he, he got that when he was, uh, he was away. So, um, they're going to do that first and then come back to guardians. I hope it's just not too far off that, like it messes up the storyline or it kind of has a weird place, but, um, I'm happy that he's back because it would have felt weird to have someone else Direct the tone of a Guardians film because mm-hmm. he has a good balance of between like, he like we said before he's really good at like pulling on all of your heartstrings and really making he made me feel for a Raccoon. That's what, like <laughs> if he could do that, yeah. like we could do anything here. I so. think you're gonna
0: be feeling some more to an Endgame man. I think it's gonna be
2: oh man oh Rocket, rocket
0: the tissues. Did you see the one, the poster this week? Dabbing (laughs) it under my 3D glasses. (laughs) Did you see all the Avengers posters? Actually, it might have been even last week, the endgame posters, where it would show, like, the one character and then say, like, avengers Game under it you know like the yeah, character yeah. posters i saw somebody said one like they would love like three four hundred years from now just of the one with rocket and it just says like avengers endgame what someone would think if they saw that poster just like what, what is this like raccoon real because he looks I, so real you know like in a time capsule it would just be hilarious i, t-
2: I was talking about <laughs> this with a friend earlier like the the fact like if you showed this trailer to someone 10 years ago it would have been the most bizarre thing, like yeah. to ever show someone, like the fact that we're all okay with a talking raccoon through almost the entire, like a little trailer yeah. we just got today is just like, yeah, yeah, that, that's fun. Yep, it's fine. It. <laughs> he, he's one of the
0: gang. It's just it yeah, all fits. And see, I think that's the beauty Perfectly of what they've fits. done with the MCU, and we talked about it before. Like when you go and watch. Infinity War, and I mean, it's going to be the same here when we watch Endgame, they can jump to all these different places, and it just makes sense. Like, years ago, it wouldn't have made sense to have be on this planet, and then be on Earth, and then be in this realm, you know, of Asgard, or be here and there, and now it's just, yeah, we, we've we've all gone through this journey that it just is places we know, places that just make sense in the overall story, and it's it's just incredible what they've done with the MCU. There's never been anything like it in any any film anywhere. I love it, man. It's great. Um, do you think, it do we get any, you guys just kind of talking about um, the Disney app and, and the shows, the Disney Plus. Do you think we could potentially get like uh, the Ravagers series? You think they could do that? And maybe that's yeah, where, I mean, I don't know I, if Adam I Warlock comes could. into volume three, but maybe that's kind of where they introduce him. And then you have some of these more obscure guardians that kind of come in and that's their role. And it's, it's kind of a Guardian show, but it doesn't have Chris Pratt or, you know, Star-Lord or anybody you know, like that. They're able to still kind of have that Guardians feel in the MCU, but I don't know. Like, I think that might be pretty they neat. Gotta, might be a neat a they got to do
2: it. something with their cosmic side, like in their ex- extra stuff. So I would love yeah. to see something well, like re- that.
1: Now, remember, they are for sure, this is confirmed, they are doing a Howard the Duck. I guess we haven't talked yeah. about him. He makes yeah. another appearance he's, in here. As yeah, well, he's, so. he's in this one. He was yeah. almost
2: in Infinity War too. Yeah. Hmm. Let's uh, let's talk about the
0: post-credit scenes here. I mean, we mentioned is the Adam Warlock? That's the first one, right? Where she says what, what we call him Adam, or is that that is the first post-credit scene? Right? Yeah,
1: that is that's the first yeah. one. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, because because the, the second one's hilarious. Yeah. 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 The first one is Adam Warlock.
0: Yep. So I mean, obviously we we talked a little bit about that, but then the second one is the stan lee who this is really his second appearance in this movie right he actually has two yeah. scenes two in this scenes. movie so you see him briefly talking to uh, the watchers and then at the end you see them walking away because he is just talking their ears off just saying like hey <laughs> yeah. hey uh, how am i gonna get home how am i gonna get home like it's, it's just great i love that but i mean do you think the watchers are going to come into play at all or you think they're always well, just going to be gag characters
1: well to me this? the fact that that was maybe not a huge thing but the fact that the watchers exist in the MCU and they set it up perfectly that Stan Lee is is basically their eyes and ears yeah. out there in the world and he's telling them all these stories all <laughs> his cameos i thought that was that was great yeah. that was a brilliant use of that so so you know even now we can we can always know that Stan Lee's out there somewhere he's helping the, the watchers he you know is the watcher yeah it's awesome yeah. now uh, another scene that, that we, we have to uh, a- acknowledge At the end is with um, Sean Gunn's character, and uh, he's putting on Yondu's headpiece, trying to learn how to use it. (laughs) He's doing the whistle, and and he gets Drax. (laughs) Oh, I remember I was cracking every time I see that. I I thought for sure he was
0: almost going to kill himself. Yeah, yeah. that's what (laughs) I thought. I thought he was going to end up killing himself with it, but then he gets Drax, and Drax is just screaming just nonstop for like (laughs) thirty seconds. So good uh all right so anything else with this movie you guys want to bring up here before we uh we wrap this one up what you got swain
2: no i think uh i think going into it this was definitely one of the ones i was like you know i'm not too excited to rewatch it but i'll rewatch it's part it's part of it i gotta do it and uh coming out of it i felt like oh yeah i i very much enjoyed this like it's not it's, not the, it's yeah, it was definitely not the worst.
1: <laughs> yeah, definitely not the worst. Oh, wh- one other uh, relationship we should at least acknowledge is the Drax and Mantis relationship. Yeah. You know, because he kept calling her ugly and all that. But yeah. it was because he really he really did care for her. Maybe not romantically or everything, but obviously Drax and Mantis are very close, and you even see that a little bit in uh, Infinity War as well.
0: What's the comment he says at the very end, kind of like the, the nice thing he says where he says, like, you know, oh, you're beautiful or something like that, and he just goes... But only on the inside. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he like just that. kind of like yeah, slips yeah. that in there. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah, because he's like, oh, you're hideous!" Just yeah. the whole time he's going off. It's great.
0: I love that. It's great. Uh, all right. Well, let's wrap this one up, everybody. Thank you here for tuning into this episode. We only have, what, just a few more left. I mean, we're just a few weeks away from Endgame. Our next episode, we will be talking about Spider-Man Homecoming uh a great great movie can't wait to talk about that so uh again send us your feedback mcu rewatch at gmail.com and don't forget wherever you're tuning into the episode be sure to like and uh, review us there too because it helps kind of move us up the ranks and spread the word about mcu rewatch and uh, other than that everybody thank you for tuning in and with that we'll catch you next week
2: later